You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. Because there will be a new nature. Not that you'll live in sinless perfection until you get a new body, but you'll be given overcoming power that will give you options that you didn't have before you were saved. And you will also have an inner desire to please God above everything else. It's not that you won't make mistakes, but when you make them, the Spirit of God will smite your heart and you'll be quick to repent like David was even in the Old Testament. Are you having trouble overcoming your sin? It feels like your sin tracks you down and consumes you. You ask if you will ever be free from this. In today's message, Pastor Gary declares that when you surrender to Jesus, you receive a new nature. This new nature gives us options to overcome sin through the Holy Spirit's power. We notice a new desire to please God and a heart that quickly repents. The Holy Spirit delivers the power to conquer sin. Let's embrace His work inside us to overcome our sinful nature. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Luke chapter 22 as he continues his message, It's Time to Overcome. And this is our dilemma that we give Him too much to work with. Because we are not as aware of the actual fight as the devil is i said he's a master illusionist why he'll lead you into a place that you think is green pasture when you get there you realize it's because there's a septic tank right underneath your feet Mm -hmm. you thought it was good pasture until you got there and then you figured out it was astroturf fake it was an illusion but now you're starving because you bit the bait Amen. And we, like Peter, are tempted to fall for it. We, like Peter, are prone to wonder. This is the dilemma of humanity. This is the dilemma of every honest Christian on the God's green earth. And he who says he has no sin is a liar, the Bible said, and the truth is not in him. Don't you sit there and pretend like you're holier than everybody else and you have no sin and you have no problems and you're better than everybody and if they just live by your standards, the whole world would be a whole lot better place. My friend, the devil really got you good. I mean, he's got you snowed over, baby. He got the wool over your eyes, amen? This is our dilemma. Not only do I see Peter's dilemma, I see his disillusionment. Look at verse 33 again. And he said unto him, Lord... I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. What I think happened here, to be honest, is Peter, (laughs) he was so disappointed at the idea that he was not as good as he believed himself to be. So he began to defend himself. Y'all ever had the truth brought up against you and instead of admitting it, you started defending yourself? Why do we go into self-defense mode even when we're wrong? Because of our pride. Amen. And because of the disillusionment, we have this false notion that we're stronger and better than we really are. And I, 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 my goal and my aim is not to 
make anyone feel worse about themselves than they already do, but to just have an open and honest conversation that we're all a mess without Jesus. I even hate to use the expression, but from the top down, from the bottom up, and everywhere between, every single one of us is a mess without Jesus. And sometimes we're a mess even with Jesus in our lives. Just a train wreck waiting to happen, if it hadn't already. Amen. And we are disillusioned when we think that we're stronger than we really are. I think this reveals to us the reality that sometimes we put too much stock in our own strength and not enough in His. When you rely on something that is not strong enough to withhold the pressure, it caves. That's why uh, engineers go to great efforts when they draw up blueprints for new designs for buildings, for example. They want to make sure that the design that they're proposing will withstand the pressure that's going to be put on that structure to hold it up. And many of us are ready to build an entire ministry off of our wit, off of our intellect, off of our talent, and ain't none of that strong enough to hold it up. None of it strong enough. What we need is to find our true source of strength, and it's not in ourselves and it's not in our pastor. It's not in our deacons. Amen. It's not in our favorite church members. Y'all, y'all know y'all have favorites. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> our strength is in the Lord. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3 teaches us that we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. The weaker you are willing to admit that you are in the flesh, the stronger you will become in your spirit. It is when you live in the false pretense that you're strong enough in your flesh to resist temptation and fight off the devil, that's when you're in your most vulnerable position. And some of you keep getting ran over and stomped down, and, and Satan keeps pulling up the whip, and there come the tears again. Lord, I thought I had that whoop. The problem is we're not living in the victory that's provided for us. We're still trying to do it ourselves. Romans 7, 18 says, For I know that in me, this is Paul writing to the church there in Rome, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Even the great Paul the Apostle admitted his own personal struggle with the weakness of the flesh. And I honestly wish that more churches would just be willing to take off the fake and the facade and just be real. Just be real. Now, I don't want to have a testimony service and where you hang out all your dirty laundry. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Some things you just keep between you and God and get under the blood and we'll just keep moving, okay? But don't pretend like everything's okay when it's not. Because what you're not willing to admit and confess to God and get some help for, you'll never heal from. Amen. Just have a demeanor of humility and a reliance upon the Lord at all times. And be quick to tell people. If they brag on you, if they talk about you, say, it's not me, it's him. 
all glory to God, I can assure you, you know, I get compliments from time to time, and I have to say quickly to God be all the glory, all the credit, all the honor, because if you knew what was holding up what God's doing in my life, you would quickly realize it's not Gary Caudill. <laughs> oh, no, I can't do this, and neither can you. Neither can you. But I say this morning, it's time to overcome. It's time to realize that even though there is this dilemma of the sifting and there's this disillusionment of the strength of self, that God has a work and a purpose that He wants to complete in our lives regardless of the struggle. We're not as good as we think we are. We need Christ's help every step of the way. And the sooner we realize that, the better off we'll be. Somebody say amen. So we've looked at his dilemma and his delusionment. Let me say thirdly, I want to look at his day in court. Verse 34, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice or three times deny that thou knowest me. Man, he was put to the test. And even before he was put to the test, Jesus went ahead and let him in on a little secret. You're not going to win this test. Not this moment. You're going to crack under pressure. And some of you mistake, mistakenly think that because he either made a mistake that he was a mistake. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. A, a mistake is an event, not a person. Everybody has their bad days, but if you're saved by the grace of God, you are secure in Him and God can help you get it under the blood and learn how to live victoriously over that thing. I know it looks bad right now, but just hold on a minute. (laughs) Verse 32, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. You know what the Bible said in 1 John 3 and verse 9? Whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, many people get tripped up over this verse. But there's a couple of explanations that will help clear up the fog. First, whosoever is born of God That's referring to your new nature in Christ. Your new inner man that's been born again. And because that new man is the very life of Christ in you, the life of Christ in you cannot and never will sin. Whenever you sin as a Christian, that sin is not on the nature of Christ living in you. Because Christ would never lead you to do that and He would never tempt you to do that and He would never do that. We're dealing with two people, the old man and the new man. And the reason some professed Christians live continually in sin, and that's the other thing this addresses, is a lifestyle of habitual sin without any evidence of a heart or desire to repent. If you say that you're saved and you live habitually in unchecked, unrepentant sin and you can just waller around in the mud and enjoy it like a hog, 
then you have been deceived. Because there will be a new nature. Not that you'll live in sinless perfection until you get a new body, but you'll be given overcoming power that will give you options that you didn't have before you were saved. And you will also have an inner desire to please God above everything else. It's not that you won't make mistakes, but when you make them, the Spirit of God will smite your heart and you'll be quick to repent like David was even in the Old Testament. But for you to just live on in your sin and dismiss any notion that you're doing wrong and your favorite verses, judge not lest you be judged and you're misquoting that, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. God gives seed to the sower according to Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 10. Remember, I just read the verse, his seed remaineth in him. That inner man, when God saves you, the seed of God is born in your heart. And that seed will remain. The seed can be defined as increase in its infancy. It is the ability to increase from stage one. When the Bible says, if you have enough faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you can remove mountains. Why did Jesus pick a mustard seed to compare to size. I'll tell you why. Because a mustard seed can grow. He didn't say if you had the faith the size of a pebble, because a pebble has no ability to grow. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, the power of the mustard seed is not in its physical size, but in the size that it was designed to become once it's fully mature. And when the Spirit of God saves you by His grace and puts the Spirit of God within you and you begin to read the Word of God, you will find that every time you read the Word, the Holy Spirit of God is watering that seed within you and growing that seed within you. And you learn more and more day by day and week by week how to shed off the sins and the weights which do so easily trip you up. Amen. And you can eventually and inevitably learn to live the life of an overcomer in spite of what the day in court had to reveal about your character. I'm I'm excited about that. Increase will come because the seed of God lives within. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Some of you are doing better than others. Some of you are doing a lot better than I am, but we all want to bear some fruit if God is in us. Let's just strive to get as close to 100 as we can. Amen. Let's just strive for that. How about that? Amen. When Jesus prayed for Peter, he only prayed that his faith would not fail because he knew that if all Peter had left over was his faith in God, that he would be okay because he still had the seed. And that's what the devil's after. He's really after your seed. He wants you to give up He wants you to throw up your hands and give up on the notion of ever making a difference for Jesus, of ever making an impact for the cause of Christ, of ever overcoming that habit, that sin uh, that always trips you up. But the devil is a liar. I don't care how many times you mess up. If the seed of God is in you, you have power to overcome. Give God some glory. Satan could not get the faith out of the sifter. (laughs) 
I could see Satan now. He's shuffling that sifter. Oh, he's got all that grain piled up on the ground, hoping God don't notice. They've got all that tares presented. But God sees something invisible that the devil can't even see. God sees that faith remains because the Word of God, the impenetrable, all-powerful, amen, Word of God has taken root in Peter's heart. And all God sees is not the chaff and not the tares. All God sees is faith, amen. And when you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus, all of a sudden, what the devil is trying to tell God is unrighteousness. God don't even see it because your faith is anchored in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen this morning. Woo! Mm. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 23. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, talking about before you were saved, hath he quickened together or made to come alive with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, nailing and took it out of the way, Woo! nailing it to his cross. Amen. I tell you what he, Jesus is going to do whenever Satan brings up your chaff before his presence. God is going to look at Jesus and he's going to look at the chaff that the devil is bringing up. And he said, I don't see what you're talking about. That was a nailed to the cross 2000 years ago. So get on out of my face. I'm going to keep working with my servant. I'm going to keep helping my servant. I'm going to keep helping him to learn how to live the life and over comer because the power that's in him is not his own but it's faith in me somebody say amen right there Mm. glory to god satan's accusations can never overcome god's forgiveness no matter how accurate they may be (laughs) that is the power of grace but there's something magnificent about the grace of God. Even after you're saved, there's power to overcome, not because you didn't do it or can't do it or won't do it, but because He's already paid your sin debt on the cross of Calvary. There's power in that. Of course, we're teaching not to abuse that. Amen. You don't abuse the grace of God, but you do take advantage of what He's offered you. The ability for Him to cover you and to empower you and to strengthen you so that He can exclaim Himself through your testimony. Look at Peter now. Acts chapter 3, verse 14. This is the same Peter. If you remember, he denied Christ three times. This is the same Peter that wanted to go hide up in a rug somewhere. Amen. Shame-faced. This is the same Peter that went fishing because he, he didn't know what was happening. He was confused. He was bewildered. He was ready to, for Jesus to raise up an army and overcome Rome, literally. And Jesus did something completely different. Nobody saw it coming. See, so I'm going to go back to the only thing I know to do, and that's fish. This is that same flawed Peter that you and I so closely relate to. And he's over here on the day of Pentecost preaching the gospel boldly unapologetically, unashamedly ready 
to even give his life for the cause of Christ. And here he is preaching to the very people that had Jesus put on the cross. And watch his boldness under the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, but ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith. Notice uh, Peter's emphasis. Do you think his faith withstood the test? Somebody shout amen right there. Through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Wow. My point is, he's preaching faith. He's preaching Jesus. The same one that denied Jesus, not too far back, is now exclaiming Jesus. And on the day of Pentecost, you know what happened? Over 3,000 souls got saved. And he was preaching with fire in his belly. This is not the same guy. Now, do you reckon Peter's any better than he was before in the flesh? In the flesh. Now, his flesh is just as corrupt as it ever was. But the seed of God in him has strengthened his spirit to live the life of an overcomer and to drag that flesh around and make it do what it don't want to do. And that's why I believe God has told me to say to you that it's time to overcome. It's not that you can't. It's not that you shouldn't. It's only that you need to strengthen your faith in Christ and watch His grace and faith give you the power that you need to live the life of an overcomer. So in conclusion, I'll read two verses out of the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. (laughs) And now you want to know what the secret to their success was? Watch verse number 11. And they overcame Him by their good works. Is that what it says? Absolutely not. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And there's really a third one. And they love not their lives unto the death. (laughs) They were willing not only to live for Jesus, but if need be to die for Jesus. They were committed to faith in Christ and they realized that their victory was in pleading the blood of Jesus over their life. Now, devil, I know you're right. I did do that. But if you'll check heaven's record, you'll find that my case was dismissed. Amen. You'll find that there's no record against me. And you'll find that I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm made fit for heaven because of what Christ did for me. And I therefore have every right as a child of God to claim citizenship for heaven and to claim his representation as an ambassador in this earth. And I will not let the devil shut me down. I will not let the devil shut me up. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops Jesus saves Jesus saves Jesus saves and you need to be born again just like I needed to be somebody say amen right there 
Now it's time to overcome. Open your mouth and tell what Jesus has done for you. Don't worry about what you've done or what they know about your past. Uh, That's just the devil trying to keep you shut up. Uh, You're going to overcome by living in forgiveness, uh, living in grace, and telling the story of what Jesus did. And if a a billion Christians around the world get bold enough to start telling their faith uh, and telling what Jesus did for them, uh, we'd have a worldwide revival and it would absolutely bankrupt the systems of this world. Amen. We can overcome. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L dot com. True North is a ministry of Gary Cottle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, garycoddle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit garycoddle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's Word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support, and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.